0: Welcome to today's episode of the Exploratory Journey, today I'm joined by Alia who is a recent UCL engineering graduate and currently working as a product manager at Skiller Whale whilst also building an edtech startup. She's on a mission to upskill the next generation of young people and help get them into meaningful careers. Passionate about education, Alia went from being an intern to taking two years out at university to become chief of staff at Aula, one of the fastest growing European edtechs, all at the age of 19. With experience across a variety of startups and VC, Alia speaks about her career journey, how to seek out opportunities in the startup space whilst a student, and discusses the future of edtech, in addition to providing some valuable advice for students trying to figure out where to take their careers. Hi, and welcome to the exploratory journey. In today's episode I'm joined by Alia. Hi Alia,
1: thanks for joining (laughs) me. Thank you for having me.
0: Do you mind giving us a short introduction about yourself?
1: Sure, Um, so I'm Alia, I literally just finished my degree. Um, I studied electrical and electronic engineering at UCL. Um, I took a kind of weird journey to here, Um, so I started off pretty normal, started as soon as I left school. Um, and when I was in school, I was really interested in like maths and physics. And so I thought, let's do engineering. <laughs> and I got to university and then um, the kind of thing at university is that everybody wants to join a bank or join a consultant. So I was like, yeah, cool. I also want to do this. Um, and I, I did these things called spring weeks. Uh, so I did one at JP Morgan and one at um, Deloitte. And I kind of realized like it wasn't really for me. <laughs> I'm going to touch on that a little bit later, but I sort of decided that I really like startups um, and did a few things at uni that led to me getting a summer internship at this little education startup called Aula. Um, And again, I think we'll touch on this a bit later, but I spent quite a lot of time there and actually ended up interrupting my studies to um, work there. And when that finished, I came back to uni because I had to (laughs) and dabbled in a couple of other um, a couple of other things, so I worked at a VC for a while, I worked at a couple of other different ed techs, um, and now I'm sort of thinking of starting my own thing, um, so yeah, that's where I'm at. It's
0: a really cool journey and how you kind of didn't take the traditional path, three years degree, going to a corporate job, um, and it's great that you figured that out. We wanted to kind of touch a bit about our uh, touch on yeah. a bit about Aula, and I know it's grown massively in the past few years and has become one of the fastest growing ed tech startups in Europe. Could you tell us a bit more about your journey into Aula and how you got to the role of chief of staff and what kind of stuff yeah. you did?
1: Yeah of course, so um, I first heard about Aula when one of my friends actually posted about it in some random Facebook group and I was procrastinating for my exams and so I thought oh I'll apply for this internship and I thought it was really cool like their job description was long um and the application questions weren't really about me it was more about what did I think of the business and what did I think of the job application and what excites me most about everything and what am I proud of and and I remember feeling like this is so different from those other applications I did where I basically like filled in my A-levels and GCSEs one by one and just had to kind of talk a little talk more about um my skills and experience rather than like what I was interested in um and that's kind of what first drew me to Aula um so I applied I ended up getting an interview um I had a an offer from a pretty big tech company at the time but I was like i was just so compelled by this little company and um I went to the interview I absolutely loved it me and the CEO got on really well um and yeah I ended up getting the internship and well it was actually an internship for a sales role and then a few weeks later, I got a call from the CEO, being like, "Hey, do you want to be my intern instead?" Um, and I was like, "Yeah, of course I do," because I, I thought he was great. Um, and so I started that literally about four days after I finished my second year exams. <laughs> I got stuck in straight away, and um, I think what what was important about it is they put a lot of responsibility on me from the moment I walked through the door. So I remember my first job was to overhaul our OKR process. So that's how they used to set goals and objectives um, and suddenly like I was deciding how this entire company was like setting their goals for possibly the next like three or four years um and I think the mindset I adopted was I don't really know any more about this than anyone else does <laughs> and I think um that that was that kind of helped me combat a lot of like this imposter syndrome because I was like you know what this is new to everyone here so I have my my guess is as good as anybody's um and I think like that really resonated with them because after two months of being in my role they asked me to basically join their executive team and become their chief of staff and take a gap year from university um which was obviously really scary and I was only 19 at the time um so it, part part of me saying yes was having to have a dinner with like my parents and the CEO and CEO COO of the company there's like some weird parents evening where um, yeah it was, it was bizarre but I think they convinced my parents that you know they weren't taking their kid and like playing them in some random company that had no money and had no prospects because um, it ended up going really well um, so yeah I, I joined their exec team um, we went through a lot so I helped win our first ever public procurement tender um, with one of the biggest universities in the uk um i was in charge of making the entire company go remote we used to have an office um way before covid we decided to ditch the office and just have a company where nobody <laughs> nobody went to an office um before it was cool <laughs> and uh, a bunch of other stuff and I ended up taking a second gap year um, as well just because I-, I was having the best time um, and yeah, I, I think it's like, I think my kind of learning from how to sort of go quickly through a company like that is just take on as much as possible and and don't doubt yourself because the, on, honestly nobody knows what they're doing so you know as good as anyone else and um, if, if you can make good educated guesses like that that's that's how you run a company you know
0: <laughs> that's so cool and I I just feel like you kind of ended up in a perfect position because. You, you didn't necessarily know you wanted to go into startups and you were kind of just exploring the space and you just managed to figure out that this is what I love. And I feel like that's kind of the way to go about it and just trying and testing new things and figuring out where you want to go. Um, and I also think it's really cool that they hired you at like 19 to be chief of staff and you've done so many amazing things whilst you're technically just a student
1: technically yeah <laughs> I'm a bad student but <laughs> <I'm a> student.
0: <laughs> do you think the non-hierarchical structure of places like startups allows for kind of people to do whatever in that sense and let anyone of any age as long as they have kind of the motivations and some level of skill and ability to take on a role regardless of if you know they have a set of degrees and have gone through the ranks
1: yeah I, I think it definitely helps I think um in in a startup the company is so small that if you join early on you have seen a lot more than the people who might join after you no matter where they are in the company. And I think also um you just have more visibility for people who make important decisions. So when I started the company was 10 people. So obviously people knew what I was doing because there wasn't that many people to pay attention to. And I think um as companies get bigger and bigger and I, I mean we're talking about corporates which have thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people, it's obviously quite hard for people who join join sort of at the bottom of the ranks to like have a lot of visibility over what's happening at the top and, and vice versa. So it's a little bit harder for you to accelerate. Not saying it can't be done because I definitely have friends who have joined bigger companies and have made a really big splash, but um, I think it, it definitely is easier in startups for sure.
0: What do you think has been kind of like the biggest thing you learned whilst at Aula?
1: Um, I think the biggest thing that I learned at Aula was that the world is really your oyster. Like it really is what you make of it. And if if you, I think it's about figuring out what what do you love and how do you actually use that to leverage yourself and, and make yourself valuable um so the things I I knew I loved at Aula was um talking to people and and um making making processes easier uh, that that's kind of what I was really geeky about there and suddenly I was doing it for the whole company in lots of places because because I loved it so much it meant I was really good at it and it meant that that was really valuable to the company um, so I think it's quite easy to go into a job and think like you know, this is going to be my nine to five and like, that's fine. And I'm going to go home in the day. I'm not going to love it, but it's fine. Um, but your, your life changes so much when you enjoy your work because realistically it is the thing you're doing most of the week um, from, you know, the age of, well, whenever you finish uni or whenever you finish school and go straight into a job until you retire. <laughs> so I think my biggest learning from Arlo is like, take that time and boldly explore what it is that you love and figure out how you can use that thing you love to make your living because otherwise you know you, like, you want to do your life's work and you want to be passionate about what you do every day um and I think aula will let me explore that and ultimately like I'm a much better person for it
0: that's like that's great advice especially for someone who just kind of wants to figure out where they want to end up um so I wanted to stick with the theme of edtech, and it's something you're really passionate about, and you're trying to build in that space. Where do you see the biggest trends in edtech being in the next five to ten years?
1: Sure. Um, so yeah, edtech ed is really close to my heart. It's I basically only work for edtech companies since I was about seventeen, <laughs> um, and I, I think what we have, what we're sort of seeing right now, and what I think we'll see over the next few years is um well a few few things actually I think we'll see the unbundling of the university experience so university is getting more and more expensive it's becoming harder and harder to kind of get access to um because you know like prices are going up like Brexit means it's harder to be an international student and I think the student is becoming much more a consumer of universities rather than just a student um like like you know like our parents might have been And I think what's important about that is like people demand more value from universities and universities, you know, you, you see now, like a lot of jobs don't require a university degree. It might be preferred, but it's definitely not a necessity. And I mean, take it from someone who almost dropped out, like, I don't even know how many times, (laughs) a few, um, and I I never felt like it was a massive hindrance on me. I, I did end up going back and I think that that might be interesting to talk about, but, um, I think, basically universities aren't giving the value that students are paying for. Um, and I think one trend we'll see is like, either will universities innovate faster or are they gonna be a bunch of tech companies who kind of take that entire experience and almost become institutions um, and actually serve the purpose, whether that's like one company or where it's like multiple companies bundled together, serve the purpose that a university serves. Um, I think a- another trend we'll be seeing is how do you actually make people learn? Um, And this is something I'm quite interested in. So we thought that the big revolution of education was things like Coursera and edX um, and all of these massive online open courses where you could basically do a university degree um, online wherever you are in the world for for a fraction of the cost. Um, But actually like the completion rate of these courses of something like three to 7%, basically nobody finishes them. And nobody really learns that much from them. if they do them it's sort of out of maybe curiosity rather than like you know this is something i need to learn to further myself in my career um and what we're sort of seeing now is this rising of something called cohort based courses um and these are basically if you think about how we used to learn in school it was in classes and how we learn at universities in classes <laughs> and seminars and actually like what you need to learn isn't just good content but it's being able to do stuff that's it's practice-based learning. So um having having exercises, having tasks, like having projects. Um, but it's also community driven. So this is, you know, you love learning with your friends. Like that's you go to the library with your friends, you ask your friends questions, and you want people to be empathizing in the journey that you're going on through your learning experience. So I think one thing we're going to see, and, and you see this in new companies popping up, like Maven. Um I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's it's a new startup by the guy that used to be the CEO of Coursera. Um, and you see what, what I think we're going to see more of is like experts teaching um, these subjects in, in small cohorts of people who feel like they're, they're in it together. So I think like the new pillar of learning online is through a community, um, through learning communities. Um, and then I think lastly, the, the trend we'll sort of be seeing is um how does this kind of i think it's a, a generally accepted view that um well education starts in school but education in school is really bad <laughs> because you're kind of stuck in a classroom and there's there's no room to grow there's no there's a really strict curriculum you're just trained around the exams um but actually what is learning like for children how does it help you fulfill your potential later um as you know we, we think about school sort of started around the industrial revolution in a, in a big way where um <clears throat> where pe- you were basically trained to like become a factory worker and sit in in rows and figure out like that 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 was all your education was and things haven't changed since then like we have a long summer holidays because back in the agricultural revolution children had to spend time with their families on the farms and all of these things about school just haven't changed in hundreds of years uh, so but now na- but now we look at our careers and i'm not going to have a job for more than two years i reckon and you probably wouldn't either. Like we're not like our parents who, my dad has had the same job for 23 years. And that's just unimaginable to me. Like our generation switches roles every few years. Um, so how, how does school train you for a more sort of interdisciplinary outlook of life and a, a more faster paced, um, less regimented career path? And what does that kind of look like? Um, so yeah, that, that, that was a lot but Those are kind of the things I'm thinking about right now.
0: That's all really interesting. And I think when you touched on kind of like cohort-based learning, like people don't just go into education to necessarily just learn a bit of knowledge and put and just learn it. It's also A, putting it into practice and to enrich that, you have to work with other people and it just makes the whole experience so much better. And it's kind of, you've seen that during lockdown because, you know, learning online is not what it was like through learning in person. And people have said that like there's so much pressure on universities to move back to in-person classes because you're with other people and you're like collaborating on ideas and things like that so it's great to see that hopefully technology can really make education a better um so I wanted to talk a bit about your career journey because you've done so much and I know we spoke about Aula. Um, but you've also, as you mentioned, worked at RLC Ventures in a VC role and worked at some other startups. And I know you're quite interested in the whole area of like portfolio careers and kind of building up experience in different areas. Um, how did you get all these other experiences whilst you were at university? And for someone who has an interest in these areas or a student who's going into university and wants to try new things, how would you advise them to go about seeking out these opportunities?
1: That's a great question. Um, I think in terms of seeking opportunities, um, I think the best thing you can do for yourself is put yourself out there um, and, you know, try and garner a little bit of a reputation for yourself, whether that is through content, whether that is through building a network, um, whatever way kind of feels best to you. I think mine came through, I think becoming a little bit of a thought leader on certain subjects. So organizational clarity and remote work Um, when I was at Aula and making sure that I, if people wanted help with that, I would talk to them about it and get my name out there a little bit more. Um, Because then I find that opportunities are easier to find. And I think it's also easier for you to make them yourself for for example with RLC ventures um I, actually the, the how I managed to land that internship um I was I was just about to start university again and I had spent time fundraising on the startup side of VC, but had never actually like been in VC myself and I was kind of interested in it I, I knew it's in the space that I'd like and on you know we on earlier like exploring everything and figuring out what you want to do is super important so Um, I spoke to one of my friends, who knew a friend, who knew a friend, um, who was head of uh, the UCL VC fund. And I was sort of interested in like, you know, how how can I get involved through university um, and try and like get involved in the VC scene at at UCL. Um, And we ended up talking for a while and we really got on. Um, And then when he heard about this RLC internship, he approached me because he knew that it was something I was exploring. And this is someone I've spoken to maybe once or twice, um, but he he felt like he because we'd spoken and because he got to know me, he felt good enough referring me for this role. Um, and I think I, I was pretty honest with RLC, and I said, you know, I'm, I'm not sure the VC is for me, but I really want to explore it because it could be. Um, and I think they were pretty open to the honesty of me saying, like, I don't know what I want to do, but I want to try this. Um, I don't know everything about VC, but. I know something about startups and i think being able to talk about your differentiated experience in the context of what it is you want to do next and saying you know i don't know anything about finance but i do know (laughs) i do know how to run a company um so i think it's like just just talk to people and 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 be nice and be interested and be interesting and you never you never know like who in your network um who hears about what and be open about what you're interested in and what you're looking to explore next, because people are really willing to help each other, um, especially when we're all quite young and know that we need to, to give each other a hand up. So I think um, uh, and for, for I for another startup I worked for, I actually ended up doing a user interview for them um, for, for a company called Mana and um, me and the CEO just got on really, really well. And then he asked me to join his team a couple months later. And I think it's. In that one it was literally just me volunteering to help someone out and it, it came up in a it, it sort of ended in a really great opportunity and i think we're sort of so scared to to feel like we're always having to network and always having to hustle but actually i feel like most of the opportunities i've gotten have come from me just being just generally curious and like wanting to learn from people and wanting to help people and i think people are really receptive to that so just anywhere you can keep learning keep showing your work Um, and keep just being nice to people when things all things will pop up (laughs) there's there's a big world out there
0: I guess you've kind of that kind of brings me on to the idea of doing uni in your spare time and Mm -hmm. how you kind of went in I guess I'm guessing kind of went into first year with the intention of this is now my life for the next four years Um, and I'm gonna it's a bit like school I'm gonna put my all into it hopefully maybe get a internship in a corporate like you did but by the end of it you kind of had a very different mindset of take taking uni on one hand and on the other hand doing just about everything else you can manage to fit into 24 hours um what how what changed your mindset and how did you go through that whole process
1: yeah that's a really great question um yeah do, so doing uni in your spare time this is my biggest piece of advice for young people probably you're picking up on it because I've told you about a million times <laughs> just do uni in your spare time um I, I definitely went into uni thinking like this is it um in first year I'll be honest I didn't I didn't do that much I think I like joined a few societies I wasn't really thinking that much about extra stuff I was sort of like let's focus on my degree um but I think that it it became more apparent. What well, what well, I th- I think the first thing I noticed is like people in societies were having loads of fun, and I was kind of having fun, but I wasn't part of like this community in the same way that other people were. So it was something I really wanted to do in my second year, um, and I ended up joining the UCR Economics and Finance Society, which is quite funny because I, literally, know, know nothing about economics and finance, but, um, a lot of my friends were in it, and they sort of had a business arm, which I wanted to steer towards startups because that was when I started really getting interested in it um and I think I I barely did any university that year if, if I'm perfectly honest um, but what I did do was run the biggest event on campus that year which was um the UCL the, the London startup fair um I went to a bunch of events met a bunch of really cool people um just met met some of my friends for life people who I took with me to Aula actually um people who you know I lived with and I I think it it was there that I realized like there's a a bigger world than just university and I I met people who are older than me who had done a bunch of stuff like this and had ended up getting their dream jobs um and I I think it, it basically opened my eyes to if, if you want to do something in the world you should be doing it at university before you actually have to go out of your way and do it university is the best time to try stuff because you know you're you have a student loan or like you know you have a lot of time because lectures are only a few days a week and you could work and you could grind but you could also <laughs> do do other stuff and i think i've heard someone say that university is like basically the best incubator in the world <laughs> if, if you're if you think of yourself as like a company if you think of yourself as like with a growth mindset like university is the best place for you to get everything you need and be vulnerable and be young and ask people for advice because because you're a university student and I think um I, I think the difference between me in first year and second year was in first year I was agonizing all my, over all my grades and in the second year I was just exploring and having a lot of fun and it, it made me a happier person for it and this isn't to say don't, don't don't do university don't focus on it but definitely compartmentalize so during um exam season I'm like all oh, uni <laughs> I'm super focused on, on getting the grades that I want but during term I'm like you know what if, if it means I have to like work a lot harder later so that I can try lots of things now and have fun now and and um work on the things I want to work on now like I'm totally cool with that and, I mean it worked out I, I found out yesterday that I got a first so <laughs> you know well done <laughs> thanks so it, I, I'm I'm not saying neglect your grades I think grades are really obviously important and depending on what you want to do but I I, I was just a much less happy person agonizing over you know the maths that I couldn't do compared to trying things out in the world and actually like you know just having fun and exploring and learning in the way that m- felt more, more natural to me.
0: That kind of, that's really interesting because I'm also guessing that your journey through university and how your interest in startups flowed with kind of your university degree and as it came to a close, you were doing more and more and exploring more things. Um, I know because you took a whole two years out from university and I'm guessing a lot of your friends by then had graduated (laughs) um what was it like coming back to university and did that make you want to explore more in the startup world rather than through like university if you get what I mean?
1: That's a great question um I was very 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 nervous about coming back to university um I think I just convinced myself over the two years that it wasn't for me, I couldn't do it. I, I didn't do that well in the second year, probably because I was doing too much outside and I, I hadn't quite mastered, you know, doing uni in your spare time, as opposed to not doing uni at all, <laughs> which I, I kind of did more of in third year. And I think I, I was really scared about not having friends and this goes back to kind of community driven, like my, my, my cohort was really important to me um, and I'm, I thought, oh, I'll I'll be fine. I'll just make friends when I get there. And then obviously there's a pandemic and I'm not going to meet any of my uni friends. So that, that made me feel really scared. And I think I just, um, I I was very nervous about like being stuck in my room and not, not being able to go and meet people and like have, have friends basically. So I think you're right. It, It did make me want to go and pursue opportunities a little bit harder because I thought, this is my way to have people around me and to fill up my time with something that i love rather than you know having this kind of lonely uni experience and that that wasn't really what happened because i did end up making a couple of friends and um you know they they really helped me through uni and it, it, it did feel it, even though it was different because it was all online it did feel a little bit more like the experience i'd had before um i think ha- having this other stuff of things that I knew I would like. And I, I had adults and I had people to learn from in a slightly different way. Um, that was really useful for me in not, not feeling rubbish, basically, if I'm perfectly honest. And I, I did pursue those things a bit harder because I was like, I don't want to be stuck in my room 24 hours a day doing work because I know that's not, that didn't make me happy when I was in first year.
0: Do you think that because you went into university straight out of school and you were essentially still, you know, a child having come out of school and having then taken two years out to go essentially work full time, you've matured in a way and you've kind of got a different mindset going back into university?
1: Definitely. Um, I I think I even saw it with my friends who took up years before university. I think getting into the world of work and sort of seeing that university isn't necessarily the next step but more more of a more of a vessel for which to figure out what you're going to do after university i think it's so easy when you're 18 to be like okay this is like continuation from school like i'm gonna go to university and i'm gonna do university but actually like university for me now the way i look at it is just a bridge between you knowing absolutely nothing about the world and you getting a job that you love and i, I think um take getting those gap years and taking that perspective of okay I know what the world looks like now how am I going to best use university to suit me rather than like how am I best going to do university was a a really crucial mind change for me I think.
0: That's really interesting and I know you touched on how you studied engineering and you really enjoyed maths and physics but you've kind of You didn't really end up in the kind of engineering arm of a startup or coding or any of that. You've ended up doing a lot of product and business-based stuff. Um, And I know a lot of people who think that they need a business degree or they need to be very technical if they want to work in a startup, but you haven't, you've kind of like gone the other way. You've gone from quite a technical degree into the business side of it. What was that like? And I guess, do you think that, you faced any difficulties in doing that
1: yeah um great question i think the biggest difficulty i had was not loving my degree i think i i do like math and physics well i mean do i even like physics anymore i can tell you um <laughs> i think i think yeah the biggest difficulty i think this is a problem with the way the uk universe system is is that you have to decide when you're like 17, 18 what degree you want to do for three years, possibly four, possibly five and I, I think I just had no clue so I picked the thing which I thought was most interesting and when I got there I realised like oh I'm not sure this is actually the right thing for me and um, it, it was just really hard <laughs> I, and I'm not sure like I, when I got to uni and found out about all the other different degrees I could have done I was like oh I, I wish I'd done something you know wish them like maybe a half computer science half business degree or whatever um but i think that it's okay <laughs> because at, at the end of the day like you you do use university like i said to explore the other things that you love and i realized that i loved i loved some tech companies but i didn't love like writing software the whole time and i mean i could if i wanted to but i don't want to and and that's really fine um I, I did feel a little I do always feel a bit of a sense of betrayal like I think it's so hard for, for women to be in STEM and like do well and w- really love it um, and, and I did like it but I, I do always feel this kind of like oh I, I'm a woman in STEM and now I'm kind of stepping out of STEM a little bit um, I'm still working in tech but I'm not working on tech and um, but you, you just have to figure out what, what your passion is and I think I'd say like my biggest piece of advice when choosing your university degree is just like choose something you love because i've had friends who've done languages or done english or done geography and are working in like my, my co-founder nikita she um she studied she studied languages and she's basically got a pretty similar job to me <laughs> to be honest so it's like you, what your degree does not necessarily determine your path um, by any means i would say doing a technical degree gives you slightly more options when deciding what what's next um i think that's only i think i think that's it's silly that that's true but it does kind of give a little bit of a sense of like oh she knows what she's doing because she does a tech degree i do not know what i'm doing but um i'll pretend and i think um yeah i think people are slightly more impressed in a really superficial way that like you know you're, you're doing an engineering degree but um, i think that's that's really the only the only benefit of choosing that kind of degree over something else and at the end of the day like you just have to do something that you love because then you'll be good at it and then the fact that you're good at it will firstly let you do more things in your spare time or do uni more in your spare time and and secondly um, y- you you know you'll just do well and so you'll make a name for yourself and that will just open doors as well um, so just honestly do what you love that's the only thing I can share in my whole life just figure out what does you love and do it (laughs)
0: um yeah but I guess studying engineering and particularly because you said you don't necessarily you didn't necessarily enjoy it fully Mm -hmm. um and it at UCL studying engineering it's probably a very intense degree as it is but balancing that with just with you just exploring just about everything else under the moon is probably going to be very difficult what was it like and how did you kind of balance uni work and working in startups or vc Mm -hmm. or whatever
1: yeah i think you just need to find your personal rhythm and and what works for you so for me i'm a massive time boxer um so i'm like okay these days my working days I'm going to try really hard not to do any work on those days and on the days that I'm not working and just focus on uni. Um, I, but then I have friends who like to kind of do do their uni from like 7am to like 10am and then work the rest of the day. And I think it's about sort of figuring out when are you most productive and where do you need to focus your creative energies and where do you need to... And, and sometimes it's just about eating the frog, right? Like, I'm a much better worker in the morning, so I sometimes just smash out my uni. Then, um, I think another thing to note is like when it comes to uni deadlines, no matter how much time you're given, you will always do it last minute, and that's whether you have things going on or don't have things going on. And not, <laughs> I know I mean, very few people who actually like do do it like you're meant to do, it, which is spaced out. Um, so it's also kind of like I, I think I accepted that fact a long time ago. Like I was always going to be the last minute person. So it's like, you know what, I'm just gonna do other things now because even if I was trying to see uni, I'd just be staring at a blank piece of paper for a few hours. Um, whereas like when I feel that intense panic, I actually do my best work. <laughs> motivates it's, you. <laughs> it's just about figuring out like what what works for you in terms of how do you manage your time and don't don't burn out, just like say say no when you need to say no. I think that's a big thing to aula, like it, um, it's okay a lot of the time to prioritize and to say no to people and say no to yourself um if you feel like you're pushing yourself too hard and don't don't feel like it's it's obviously important to stay committed to things that you've committed to but at, at one point you will have to choose and it's okay it is completely okay to say no to something you committed to if it's starting to affect your mental health and your your health in general
0: that's that's probably a very good mindset to take and just trying to figure out what works best for you, because everyone is human and everyone's different and they all have different ways of working. Mm-hmm. Um, before we move on to like the last bit, I just wanted to really quickly touch on your VC experience just again, because I know you mentioned that you didn't necessarily know much about VC and you just wanted to figure out if it was somewhere where you might potentially want to end up. What was it like? And do you think you want to end up in VC at some point?
1: It's a good question. Um, What was it like? So VC is really cool because I I was talking about this to to my friend um, and he he was in VC and I I was kind of asking him, well, why why are you in VC? And he's like, because I love having my mind blown. And I think to me, like, I so get that. And what's cool about VC is like, you meet all these amazing founders see these amazing companies and it's such a broad you know there's nothing you don't see to be honest and like basically what vc sort of looks like when you're an analyst which is what i was um a lot of it is deals focused so you have to go out and find startups who you might want to invest in you have to talk to them and figure out um are these guys viable for investing in is the idea cool do we like the team does this make sense is this a big enough opportunity a big thing in vc is like what what it could this be a massive company because it's not worth getting VC money if it's just going to be a and i know this is going to sound really out of touch but like 10 million dollar company is not enough (laughs) a hundred million dollar (laughs) company that's that's the kind of ballpark you want to be playing um and yeah i think it's so it's very it's very deals focused and it's very very broad um for me personally at this stage in my life, I think I just love getting behind a of mission and sort of driving towards it. So that's sort of why I decided like maybe VC wasn't for me right now um, because I like having focus and I love having a big goal and I love like struggling to <laughs> and hustling to reach that goal um, where, rather than sort of looking at a large broad range of companies and constantly like having your deal flow move along rather than, you know, um, just one thing that you get to focus on. Um, so that's sort of why I came to the conclusion. I mean, it was it was so worth trying because I'm glad I, I came to that conclusion. Otherwise, I think I'd just be thinking about it for the next few years. But like later in life, like once I've you know I I, I couldn't tell you. I, I'm definitely open to becoming a VC later um, after I've done a little bit more startup, like operator, possibly co-founding, um, etc. I think it, it's yeah, it's cool. It's fun and you know you just meet
0: awesome people um and having yeah. that experience from both sides is probably great because you know if you're co-founding a company which then wants yeah. investment and wants to fundraise then That's you true. kind of know exactly what you're going to have to go through because you probably worked through the investment process before 100%. it's really useful so I wanted to like finally ask you what motivates and inspires you it's a question I always ask because it's quite interesting to see everyone's different perspectives.
1: Yeah, it's a nice question. So what motivates and inspires me? I think the, my, my biggest inspiration, and this is gonna sound really cheesy, is my mom. <laughs> um, ask anyone I've ever worked with, I just like rave about all the time. Um, but she actually worked with startups um, long before I kind of knew what, what I was talking about with them. Um, so she actually founded a FinTech Accelerator in London. And I, I think that foresight, like that ability to sort of see where the world was going before it was going anywhere is something that like, I really, really admire in her. Um, and I think just taking on that sort of growth mindset and always looking to the future and figuring out like, you know, what, what is important to me what is important to the world how do I use my skills to make the biggest impact I can on on society and the world in a way that like makes sense to me I think that that's what really inspires me and I think looking at my skills and my interests like I think there are loads of problems in the world you can solve the one that I want to solve is education and I think what I what I love about the world is like everybody has their thing and everything has tension like yeah, climate change is a massive, massive problem. And I'm sure I'll be focusing on it at some time in my life. But right now I'm focusing on education and that might have tension. And, you know, we might be going for the same kind of funding, we might be going for the same kind of interest, but like, that is how things move forward. And so I think I'm motivated by this idea of like, there's a problem, a really big burning problem that I want to solve. And I mean, it, it's one of the um, sustainable development goals, quality education is one four. And it's like, I just I know I have skills and I know I have value and I know I could do something about it so like why why not like I just have to I think it's just this feeling of like solve things to the world because the world's kind of rubbish and everybody is struggling and <laughs> nothing's perfect and you know if, if you can make a big impact on that like you're helping so many people um so yeah that's what motivates me I think Motivation, my, my mom, what motivates me is just this burning desire to solve a problem that I see. Um, if that answers your question, I feel like that was so roundabout.
0: <laughs> but that's the whole startup mentality, or literally building something from scratch, something brand new, something trying to disrupt the world to solve a problem which exists. Right. And it's probably exactly why you've ended up in startups.
1: Yeah 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 you tied that together nicely thanks
0: (laughs) (laughs) it was great talking to you and your journey is just really really interesting because it's not the typical student journey and I'm sure people listening to this will find your advice really valuable so thank you for coming along and speaking with me
1: thank you for having me this was so much fun
0: Thank you for listening to The Exploratory Journey and I hope you have enjoyed this episode. Please make sure to follow or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and make sure to follow all our social media channels on Instagram, Twitter and LinkedIn to stay up to date with our future episodes.